Schaefer and Zeeman Fitz at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscara, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Bucks spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got game him if he catches it. It's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Oh, good Wednesday afternoon. It is 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. Did we just get final word? We got we final got word. That's it. We, got we have held off. It is, it is Wednesday, 2 p.m., signing day, a late day. We normally tape the show between like 10 a.m. and noon. We're going a little later today because we were trying to hold out for the last Man of the class. We just lit, right as we timing. came on, oh. we got a thumbs up. That means ETSU has signed 28 players yes. for this year in the 2019 signing class. Mike Gallagher. Oh, my goodness. I think a lot of the holes that ETSU was looking to fill, and you'll hear this from Randy Sanders at 4 o'clock. You can hear it on AM 640 WXSM. You can also see it on Facebook Live on the ETSU Buccaneer Athletics Facebook fa- page. But a lot of the holes they were looking to fill, I look at this 28-man class, and I think – that they have gotten depth. They've gotten guys to push others, much like we were talking about on the last show that we last week, one week ago today, kind of previewed signing day. And I think there's some guys that are going to compete for some major time. Now, Randy Sanders is going to give, obviously, in much more depth specifics on that. But I'd like to start Jay Sandoz today just to remind and refresh people what ETSU lost in terms of numbers at positions. Is that right, a fair yeah, idea? Go ahead, go ahead. So you lose Austin Herrick at quarterback. That's obviously your one QB that uh, that is gone in terms of um, – playing a ton. Uh, Matt Thompson, Corey Colder, Hayden Hill, those in the backfield that are gone. Wide receivers, Merrick Mullins, Kobe Kelly, Andrew Hayward, Jack Shoulders. Tight ends, four of the five that were on the roster. So you had Nate Adkins back, which is all you had at the tight end position. Seven offensive linemen gone, including, of course, Matt Pike, who got all those national and regional awards last year. Three defensive linemen, Tremont Farrell, Chris Boyer. Chris Stein didn't play a whole lot, but Farrell and Boyer were pretty consistent contributors uh, over the last couple of years. Linebackers, five of them gone for sure, Austin Gatewood, Dylan Weigel, the two big names there. And then in the defensive backfield, I tend to think this is one of your stronger positions that you return. Dominique Williams and Keanu James gone. Williams really statistically last year a fourth or fifth DB. So I think that out of the ones you named, mm-hmm. and we didn't do specials. And then, of course, right? three specials. Oh, yeah, Adam Mullins, yeah, Marion Watson, J.J. Turner. The, the, if, if you, to me, what I just heard there is you rattled that off. The, the four big concerns. Uh-huh. I think, uh, and, and I will list them in the biggest concern. Number one, I think quarterback, right? I mean, you lose Austin Eric, who took almost all the snaps, uh, meaningful snaps, especially uh, late in the year. Then you talk about the defensive front, and I think the front seven, you lose two guys that played a lot of football in four years in Farrell and Boyer. And then, of course, Weigel, what he meant, and Gatewood, too. Uh, but I, I think if you had to list it there, and then your specialist, I'm, I'm going to kind of lump together. I mean, I think obviously quarterback one. Uh, I think JJ German two. I think the 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 nose position and the D line three. And, and I'm not trying to discount because, and, and maybe this is 
how good Dylan Weigel was uh, that he made it look a little easier. But I would say linebackers, the four, and then tight end five. I think that if you had to rank things of like, man, some of the biggest losses. And tight end really because the sheer number of people uh, that you lost. I think Nate Atkins was really, uh, and, and you know, behind Evan Wick, he was the clear number two. When Wick was out the one game, he started and caught a touchdown pass. So I feel pretty good about where that position is. But the quarterback, the kicker, the two nose guards, that's really maybe more the pre- of the people lost, right? Now, there's certainly positions people want to see uh, some new Definitely. faces in, which I think upgrade Coach quarterback. Coach Sanders has been open right. in Upgrade that. quarterback, upgrade receivers. Mm-hmm. I think more depth at the defensive line. I think they're excited about the fact that you mentioned secondary. You know, really, Dominique Williams uh, was about the only guy that saw significant playing time. And, and for many years, he was the – a kick returner that was the best kick returner in the Southern Conference and all league performer at one time. So that's what stuck out to me, the people lost. So there's the people that are gone. Now, in terms of before this class came in, and I'm excluding the early signees as well, here's where we were with the depth at each, each position. Now, Logan Marchie has officially graduated. What that means for the program and him, we're not in a position to speculate, but we can say that he has graduated. And So that's code for if he would like to move about the country at will, he could. It, it, correct, exactly. So he, he has graduated, and that's, we'll leave that at that. Aside from him, you got three freshmen that were at that position last year. Then you got, of course, running back Quay Holmes, Jacob Sailors, uh, wide receiver Keith Coffey. He is the leading returner with 26 catches and led ETSU um, a number of games last year, uh, specifically, I think, early on before he took a little bit more of a backseat later in the year. Braxton Richburg is back. T.J. Spagnoletti is back. Uh, then, aside from that, six freshmen that didn't play much or at all. Your tight end, we talked about Nate Adkins. Uh, offensive line, I still think, yes, you lose Matt Pike, but there's some names here I think you can build around. Yes, you'd like to see some competition in every position, but Tremont Shorts, Eddie Gajardo, uh, Cameron Parker, Ben Blackman, Miles Smith got injured yeah, early and, on in the year. And he's had two t- – I'm curious to see how he bounced back because, Mike, he actually was earned a, the starting position the first year. I think it was maybe first or second game, and then it was the second or third game this year. Again, got, got knocked down, didn't finish the year. Lot. So he's clearly good enough to get in that lineup. So be curious. He'll be the one – if he gets back in there uh, – First of all, it's a great story because they had to come from two horrific injuries. But I like that's the one I'm curious about. But I like what you're saying. There's at least four guys you feel confident about starting if you had to play today. The one question mark is who in the world is going to snap the football? Correct, and they still need to find that. I, I think you and me agree on that. Now, in the defensive line, Nasir player Jason Madua-Fakwa, they are back. I think we talked about it off air. You look at that 3-4 defense that they play, you've got two of your answers. That third answer is yet to be found in the nose tackle position, correct? Uh, no, that's that's 100% uh, the question. They, number one, they tried to work in a couple of guys at defensive end last year. They're back on the roster, but it ultimately came down to four guys that rotated in. And At Chris all the Boy- positions. Correct. Yes, and Chris Boyer was sort of the Johnny play every position uh, because player Madua Fakwa never played nose. But Boyer kind of rotated around. The biggest concern of the defense, I think, is who's going to be over ball. And I think they need more depth there because when you get in a situation where they've had to play a lot of snaps against Sanford, a couple other teams, uh, uh, the option teams, to for an example, because it wears so much on them, I think they need to get two, three guys so they have a true 
first team, second team depth chart. JV on Hurd is back, but played six games kind of sparingly. You so mentioned you lose two or four rotational players. Right, and, and, and Pinkleton was in and out, too. Uh, he had some time, and uh, he had one sack, I think, all season. But but he was in and out, JV on Hurd. Um, if those two guys can grow and you bring in some depth, and we'll talk about you know the class here in a minute, but they can find a couple more guys to play at depth. And you never know. Traymond had it kind of locked down, plus Boyer played a lot of games. You don't know if one of those guys may be a little more uh, uh, better fit to make a, a move maybe to nose guard and, and see what that is. Linebacking core, of course, Blake Bockrith. Uh, we don't have any reason at the moment to believe that Jared Folks will not be back. I think that's a safe way to state it. Uh, from what we understand, he does have more eligibility, and uh, I don't want to speak that would be, for him. If, if he does come back, let, right. let, let's just play this game. You're talking about him at one inside linebacker. My guess is J.D. Griffin, the other one, who's sort of a local product of Sound Road in Sevier County. And then you're talking Zach Yancey, Blake Bockerick. That looks like the four Unbelievable. That looks like the four to me. I, I think you could roll with that right now. And Colton Lakes is a guy that perhaps oh, could yeah. another, rotate another great in. guy that can uh, – a good size, 6'5", uh, 265. Backed up Dylan Weigel a little bit last yeah. year. So, and then secondary, right? And Everybody? Right. Yeah, pretty much. I mean – Jeremy Lewis, Terry Robinson, Crondolins, Tyler Sucker, Octavia Smith, MJ Woods. I mean, that's oh, MJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's So he that's actually fun. started uh, some, and then uh, because he actually beat out Titus Tucker for some playing time, then they you know went Tucker, then they had to go Artavia Smith. I think they move Arta- just guessing Artavius to the nickel to go with uh, Lewis and DeLentz. Th- think about this: if Fultz is back, they're in theory the only position you have no clue about is nose guard. In, in theory, everybody else would have either started or played significant minutes. Center. But on the defensive side of the ball, yeah, right. D- defensive ball. Right. Uh, defense side is, yeah. Right. Yeah, there's, yeah, no, there's nobody had more 100%. snaps than Matt Pike. So, uh, uh, nose guard, well, probably both sides of it. Nose guard and center. Yeah. Quarterback. Those are probably the three, boom, right there. And yeah. If you had to go individual position, those three losses and then in terms of you could roll out there right now. Obviously, you want to improve at some positions, as right. you said, but you could roll out there right now with guys. Yeah, you yeah. can roll up there with 10 guys on defense. Feel right. pretty good about it. I, I 100% agree. Okay. And then you welcome in 28 new guys, and there's some exciting names here. I don't know if you want to lead off or, I mean, you look at the positionally what ETSU was able to do. You get one one running back who, from what I understand, it has uh, sized up considerably since they started recruiting him um, and could be moved to a different position. Four offensive linemen. You got an athlete slash quarterback plus one true quarterback. Uh, five wide receivers, two tight ends, four defensive linemen. Two kind of slashes, which you need, linebacker slash defensive end in a 3-4 defense, that semi-outside linebacker slash defensive end position. Three true linebackers, two defensive backs, and that last guy that we weren't able to talk about until just a few seconds ago, Eric Campbell, is the one that did confirm. And then two kickers and punters. So 28, the breakdown, one running back that's probably going to move to a different position, four offensive linemen, one athlete slash quarterback, five wide receivers, two tight ends, four defensive linemen, two linebackers slash defensive ends, three linebackers, two defensive backs, oh, one defensive back slash linebacker as well, a true quarterback, and two kickers slash punters. All right, well, let's, let's start down the list then. All right, who, right in. Who, who is in? Who is in? Let's talk about December signees. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on the first two. One's a local product. I don't think we have to tell people that are in the Tri-Cities about, which is Blake Austin. He originally committed to Coastal Carolina and then decided uh, to decommit. Wanted to stay home, six foot four, two hundred ninety pounder. A lot of people around town wanted him to go to ETSU. He was going to go FBS, play for a former ETSU uh, uh, Buccaneer and Jamie Chadwell. Now he's going to be a Buccaneer. I think most fans are excited about that. And then maybe one of the the, the number one gets as far as a position they really thought of need, which is wide receiver. A transfer from Mississippi 
State uh, from Phoenix City, Alabama. That sounds familiar maybe because that means uh, he was a teammate of Karan DeLinces actually at one time. He's a year older, though. Jamal Couch, 6'4", 227 size, pounds. Size, And when you're talking about playmakers on the outside, it's always good to have someone that will stand literally head and shoulders above the rest. He's the guy that comes with the most pedigree, right? I mean, transferring from an SEC school in from what we've heard, he played a little bit early and then kind of fell out of favor there. So he comes to ETSU, and I think it's a great chance for him and whoever may be throwing him the football to really develop a connection. Yeah, then uh, – I, I It'd be interesting to see because there really wasn't a guy that was a jump ball guy last Correct. year, right? There really wasn't the big, tall receiver. As a matter of fact, we, we talked um, uh, uh, earlier this week with Austin Herring, off air, obviously, and just around the office. And we'll talk had, to him next week on air. Okay, good. Yep. Uh, but he had mentioned playing catch with Couch and how much easier it was to because the catch radius, obviously, is much greater. He can greater. make a bigger mistake, and he'll still go get it. And the next two guys, and, and again, we're doing this little alphabetical as well, but next two guys, a couple defensive guys. Yeah, DeAndre Davis, 6'2", 230 out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, from the sources that we talked to, and it's not like we're plugged in as much as, say, a Brian McLaughlin or someone around the country, but he had some pretty big offers until he tore his ACL. So the fact that he is, you know, naturally the type of player that he is, and he's come, he's got great size for a linebacker, helped guide the Huskies to an 11 win season in 2018, 46 total tackles, and one fumble recovery as a junior. Good to have him in the linebacking core. And Max Evans is a big body up front out of Middleton, Ohio, 6'3, 275, three sport guy. So this is an athletic young man, football, wrestling, and track. And for a defensive lineman, 246 tackles in a career, that's pretty good. I, the, the, the one. Two things really jumped out. Yeah. One, he comes from a football family. His dad played at Georgetown. Number two, wrestling. And we've had success with guys that have wrestled, especially at the line positions, and we've had success with guys that played rugby. And you could look uh, probably no further than Dylan Weigel as far as the rugby thing goes. But wrestling, that's something that they look for because of leverage and how to uh, you know use your weight and advantage. And in close quarters, how can you move somebody, right? So I mean, uh, that's the first two things that jumped out for me for Evans. Davis, you're right. When you look at – uh, especially doing some research on him earlier. There were a lot of people excited about that, but that's the advantage sometimes in an FCS. FBS, hey, a guy got hurt. We don't know if he's going to make it back. Guess what? Next man up in our recruiting class where FCS teams can say, you know what, that guy has that type of talent. Why don't we take a shot on him, give him a, a chance to see if you know if he's really going to be able to bounce back from that or not. The next guy we're going to talk about, Jalen Frierson, and he has the ability to do a ton of different things, not only in the fact that he played four sports in high school, but – he, being a running back, obviously ETSU doesn't need that a ton out of Battleground Academy in Franklin, Tennessee. He's put on a ton of weight. You can even see, you know, in his picture on ETSUbucks.com, he doesn't look like 225. He's listed at 225 on our sheet, 235 on the website, and an inch taller than what? he is on our sheet. But from what we understand, he's put on more weight than that and has the possibility to do stuff on offensive and defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I think uh, talking to the staff, curious, would he, would he be running back and – you know, on a defensive Full side, back, maybe Hayden Hill gone. a linebacker, and then they basically said, "Well, really, he's athletic enough and strong enough. You could see on offense a running back, a H back, a tight end on defense. You know, could he project as a rush end or a linebacker? There's several different ways you could look at Jalen Frierson. I, I, I think the other thing about him, you know, he hit 30 home runs too, so hand-eye coordination, right? <laughs> Not just strength, but you gotta, you're a baseball guy. you got to have a little hand-eye coordination. I was never very good with the hand-eye coordination myself. Uh, so he can do a lot on both sides of the ball. I'd love to see him go back to the old play both sides kind of thing. Man, probably too high of a, too high of a level to do that, but he's – 
able to do so. Still going on Sanderson's sidekick yep. here. We're looking at these are the early signings in December. Uh, Jacob Hensley was announced in December 6'2", 290 from Fairfield, Ohio. Another offensive lineman wasn't announced. He had signed early, but he waited until today to, uh, to make it official and, and do the whole signing. That's Max House, 6'3", 310 out of Huntington, West Virginia. So already guys coming in uh, with some uh, big size, and I thought it was interesting. He comes from a long line of uh, athletes as well, sister Played softball. He's got some cousins that's a wrestler. He's got an uncle played football. Another uncle played football. So he comes from a family of athletes that always seems that gene pool, you know, uh, it seems to be good. So we'll see. Six three three ten again. Two. You can never uh, six, be two two nine. Can never be too big. On you can't teach line. that, right? No. Last two, uh, last two guys, a couple maybe pass catchers. Yeah, Deshaun McKinney, 6'1", 211, out of Knoxville, Fulton High School. And he's another guy that was a multi-sport athlete in high school, uh, football and basketball. 36 for 641 and six TDs in his senior season. And 50 receptions, 848 and 13 TDs in 2016. And he also played on the defensive side of the ball, 56 tackles. Now, he missed 2017 with a knee injury, but certainly you see the stats from 2018. He was able to bounce and, back. And, again, you don't know if, if maybe that cost him another opportunity because, again, 6'1", 211 is pretty, pretty good size for a wide receiver in high school. And so uh, there might have been people that saw that sophomore campaign that you're in thought, okay, you know, 848 yards, 13 touchdowns, 50 catches, pretty good. Plus he played defense. That's a guy probably people are on in 17 misses. I bet some people – kind of got off the bandwagon and then his senior year honestly you know it takes a little more in a year sometimes to come back uh, you know if you're at the professional level maybe you got all these trainers and can afford that you can come back a little quicker but generally high school level it's about an 18 month process even sometimes at the college level so I'll be curious if he's more at full strength coming onto campus this year than he probably was his senior year of high school. And then uh, Noah West, I think, is interesting because he was a quarterback that's projected as a tight end. Big need at tight end, uh, 6'3", 230. Certainly that's large for a quarterback. Maybe a, a little small for a tight end, but athletic as a tight end, too, if you're moving from quarterback to tight end. 2,200 yards rushing and 32 touchdowns in 2018. I mean, that's eye-popping statistics. So behind Nate Adkins or maybe even competing for time for Nate Adkins, you know there's going to be some sets where ETIC will do two tight ends. He's got a chance to see the field. You know, and, and you watch his highlights. Of course, he played quarterback, and I think he was smart because, you know, he didn't show a lot of the the throwing stuff, especially early. It was his, his ground game, how elusive he was. He could be elusive, and he could run over people. He's got a good size. So I think that was – I think he kind of knew I wasn't going to be a college quarterback and certainly knew where he was going to be able to project. So I thought he was smart with that. And it was interesting to see uh, how he was able to maneuver – uh, as far as, as running the football. And, again, that's a huge need for ETSU. They've got a place like – they're going to have to have some freshmen play. They may redshirt a couple of guys, but they're, they're going to be a couple of guys that are going to have to play a little bit early on uh, coming up unless there's some – they're switching guys' positions that we don't know about yet. Just off what we know, Nate Atkins and nobody else. So you're going to have to get some of these guys ready to play and they need big physical guys, and he seems – Noah West seems to fit that. So that's it for December. Let's go to now February. we start February. Alphabet Official for as of today, Devin Brantley, and this is a three-star guy. He had offers from Louisville and Colorado State. So this is someone that high major essentially was. He had the possibility to go there. Maybe didn't like the situations. Not quite sure why he didn't go there. But we are happy that he is now in blue and gold. Randy Sanders, a heck of a get being a three-star guy. Six-two, two-fifteen. He's one of the slashes. Excellent athlete, linebacker, or defensive end out of Riverdale, Georgia. Charles Drew High School. So knowing that there were others out there that viewed him very highly, very uh, big feather in the cap of Randy Sanders to show that recruiting prowess. Yeah, and I, I think you you know for the guys that love the stars, right? You put a three-star 
at an FCS level, that's, that's, that's a pretty good get. Then the fact he's versatile, and some of that is people can project because they when they do this scouting, they don't know if it's a 4-3, three, 3-4, three, you know what I'm saying? So really, it, you know, we'll have to see where his footwork is. Is he more of a rush in like a Madua Fakwa, or is he more – uh, of an outside linebacker like an Austin Gatewood, a Blake Bockrick type guy. Or will or he develop Jackie more power and be a mix of, you or know. right in the middle there like J.D. Griffin right, just exactly. coming downhill at you. So I, I think that's good. Then the last guy we just got, I mean, literally, I can't make this up. As soon as we went on air, there was a door open. There was a thumbs up. We were waiting on it. Boom. Eric Campbell was the last one, the 28th guy to sign around 2 o'clock today. This is Wednesday, National Signing Day. Defensive back, 5'11", 184, out of Memphis, a two-time All-State selection. He was an all-Tennessee second team, 195 tackles, 12 interceptions, five forced fumbles, 35 pass breakups. What I like, football and track. And he played baseball as well, but football and track means he's a speed burner. He also uh, comes, again, that lineage. His dad played at UT Martin, and uh, his grandfather played at Tennessee State, and they're Tennessee guys. Yeah, and you'll love to see that deep lineage in Tennessee. Eric Campbell, the the last one to be signed officially, but the fact that he is now in, I'm not sure how much room there is in that defensive backfield at the moment, but certainly he's someone they think can make a difference, uh, if not next year or perhaps next year, whenever it is over his four years at ETSU. Giovanni Dyer, probably more of a slot guy for ETSU. 5'9", 151, certainly isn't the size of some others, but very quick, baseball and football guy, totaled 76 receptions, 100 or 1,000 receiving yards, excuse me, and 15 touchdowns, school record in receiving touchdowns as well. So this is someone that can create some havoc right around the ball, uh, perhaps, you know, uh, doing some things in the running game from the slot. You're seeing more and more teams do that now where you'll put a guy in motion and do that quick handoff where you're coming across the formation. I'm just intimating here, of course, but out of Johns Creek High School, Giovanni Dyer, whenever I see someone really tall and really big at receiver or really small and maybe lacking some of that natural height, but you're inferring that there's going to be some speed there, I get very excited. Those are the type of guys that can make a difference. Yeah, and again, you have to fill out the receiving core um, outside in, you know, saying so, so they've got a couple guys with some size, six four six, and there are a couple guys returning on the team from last year that I think uh, Will Huzzy's uh, uh, Lester. I think uh, those guys are going to get a shot as well. Guys that set I know out you last love Will year. Huzzy, yeah. I do. I think Will Huzzy's got huge upside, and you know, one of the guys that may be down the road throwing him the football is Travion Houston, six one one seventy eight. Listed as an athlete quarterback, will get a shot uh, to see if he can yep. play quarterback. If not, they've opened the door to, hey, we may just need to find, like Jacob Sailors, we just need to find a place to put him on the field. He comes from a pretty good high school, Gurr High School out of Taylor, South Carolina. They've uh, produced some very good athletes. He played quarterback there, 4,300 yards passing, 1,400 yards rushing. He had 70 total touchdowns in his career the upper state champion in 2018, and back-to-back regional titles in 2017-18. Again, football, track, love that. How about picturing him as ETSU's starting quarterback next year? You know, it's hard to imagine ETSU without Austin Herrick under center, and you picture the offense being run just with him, right? But now that he's gone, ETSU's going to have to move on, and you don't know what the offense is going to look like without Austin, and this is straight from the horse's mouth. He is going to get a chance to get that quarterback position. That's what Randy Sanders said, the head coach of this football team. So I'm excited to see the quarterback competition, how it unfolds, because it could be literally anything. It could be a combination of a couple things. It could be completely different than we've seen it. It could be the same. Uh, It's really the world is ETSU's oyster when it comes to the quarterback position and all the people they brought in. Yeah, and I mentioned Huzzy, second wide receiver. There's another Huzzy added to the list. It's Elijah Huzzy, Huzzy, defensive back, 5'11", 180, Franklin, Georgia, 
two-sport athlete, football, basketball, all-state, and both. That's usually tough to do. He passed for over 1,500 yards, rushed for 700 yards, but he also played defensive back. He's projected as a DB. Again, good family roots. He had a cousin playing at Kentucky. Let's look at uh, Jake Hyder, defensive lineman slash long snapper, 6'5", 250. That's, another, that's an under-the-radar position, right? Yeah. Because Adam Mullen snapped every single game but one. He missed, I think, the opener against Kennesaw State in year two. was the only game he did not uh, or was not the long snapper. And so you've got to replace that. But out of uh, Dandridge, Tennessee, he lettered in football at Steinbrenner High School in 16 and 17 before going to Jeff County. He also registered his sack over William Blunt. But – uh, projected, I think, a little bit more on the long snapper side. And then who's going to kick, right? Well, I think uh, Coach Sanders showing he's still got some ties in Leon County. That's where Tallahassee, Florida is, and that's where his multi-sport kicker's from. Lettered in football and soccer. That's Tyler Keltner. Made six field goals, 32 extra points. Uh, connected on 46-yard field goal, Florida high, and then set the school record for four made field goals in a game in his junior season. Yeah, and let's compare him with the other kicker punter brought in, 5'10", 155 out of Murfreesboro, Oakland High School, Garrett Taylor, multi-sport guy, football and soccer. Always like to see that. So- a lot of programs at lower levels, Division two, Division three, a lot of times will show up to soccer practice and just pull a guy off and say, hey, can you kick for us? Now, ETSU has to plan more accordingly, so they bring in two kickers slash punters, and with both of those positions open, I think that you could see a lot of both of these guys. Garrett Taylor made five field goals, including a long of 37, made 55 extra points for Oakland High School, and was named the Tennessee Titans Mr. Football Kicker of the Year, which is very prestigious. Oakland going 14-1 and one with him as kicker, and they won the TSSAA Division I 6A State Championship. The uh, uh, We saw film on him. He has a couple 70-yard punts. So what we watched on him, uh, yeah, he, there was pressure on literally every single kick that he seemed to make that year, or at least the ones that he put on film, and he can boom it. And ETSU would love to be able to flip field. Randy Sanders is, you know, always puts an emphasis on that, and perhaps ETSU fans have been able to take special teams for granted for quite some time. It's also, much like quarterback, really a blank slate right now. So to be able to have competition at those positions, Vic. I, I think it would be important, too, because both those guys kicking off, uh, saw some film on that, and Taylor was able to split the upright. Now, I know you kick from the 40 instead of the 35, but he was still able to split the uprights from the 40, which tells me he can clearly – Take five yards off. That's, that's still the end yeah, zone. he's got plenty of level. <laughs> All right, let's go back. Uh, offensive line, it's uh, Tavon Matthews. He's uh, uh, played the first three seasons at Freedom High School before transferring to Woodbridge, team captain, two-time – All-Cardinal District, three-time All-Conference. His father, uh, Keith, played basketball at Virginia Tech. Again, landing 6'1", 309 offensive lineman out of Woodbridge, Virginia. Yeah, and moving on to the linebacker and defensive end, Trey Middleton. This is someone that can be a nightmare for opponents. This is, we've been told by some staff members, could be the gem of this class of the 28 out of Marietta, Georgia, Walton High School. Cobb County touchdown club, all county, all region, 50 or 88 tackles, 33 for a loss, 14 sacks. I mean, the stats speak for themselves. So when you look at the main guys out of this class, and certainly the ones that will be off the edge in Devin Brantley and Trey Middleton, that already, when you look at these 28, is striking fear into the other teams in the Southern Conference. That was uh, Billy Taylor gave me, you know, he gave me three guys, and that was the one he had up top was Trey Middleton. Um, and I think we already talked. Well, no, we have t- Brantley, uh, the Brantley, defensive end, yep. was number two. Yep. And we'll talk about third guy in just a second. But that was the three he was most excited about. Now let's go to the quarterback, Tampa, Florida, 5'11", 174, uh, Tyler Rydell. 
uh, football track guy, Chamberlain High School, 6,500 yards, 63 touchdowns for his career. He had 1,800 yards, 23 touchdowns, rushed for another 263 and two scores. Uh, you know, he could throw it, but he also had a little bit of wheels to him if he, if he needs to uh, tuck it and run. He threw for 240 yards, 30 touchdowns while guiding the Chiefs to the playoffs. First team, All-State, All-County, and uh, MVP for the county. And also he, t- he had a couple other offers on the table. Yeah, this is someone that we heard was possibly going up to a Power 5. There are some other uh, interesting offers that would be tantalizing to most, but he stays true to ETSU right down till the end, and uh, he's announced his decision, and, and it's it's a blue and gold. It's the E. And so he's going to be someone that I think will probably go into camp as at least from the outside. I'm not sure what Randy Sanders and the other coaches think um, about the quarterbacks and comparing them as we go along, but from the outside, I think a lot of people will be looking to him to take the reins. Will he be able to do so? That's something that's going to be decided in many camp and training camp. Dwayne Ruff is the third member of the crew that uh, Billy Taylor gave me. He was most excited about on the defensive side of the ball. The rare defensive back linebacker. That's an interesting slide. 5'11", 185. That tells me if he gains enough weight, can probably play outside linebacker. Tells me he's a hard hitter. Could be strong. He likes contact. And if you watch his highlights, you certainly can tell that. He played football, basketball, as a multi-sport athlete, 62 tackles. Uh, he had one interception as a senior for pass defended, first team all region. His dad played football at Savannah State, again, the lineage. So uh, I'd like to see that, probably learn some of that from his pops. Steven Scott, linebacker, 5'11", 232, a bit stockier, but strong and built football and lacrosse. You don't see – I wouldn't think a 5'11", 232-pounder would be a lacrosse guy, but you, you do uh, – you watch lacrosse on you know, ESPN, wherever you may see it. There's a lot of quickness involved in that, so you figure that in short – Areas Stephen Scott will be able to make some plays. 94 tackles and interception, a couple forced fumbles, also a blocked po- extra point and a blocked punt. 2018 Defensive Player of the Year for Page High School All Area and All Conference. Yeah, they, I tell you what, you look at him; he's got a grown man too. Like I don't know, his photo, he looks like a. And at five of eleven, two thirty-two, maybe a full-grown man. Logan Shipley, local product out of Greenville, Tennessee, defensive lineman, six-two. Of course, helped the uh, Green Devils to back-to-back state championships in 2017 and 18. All-conference honors, played in East-West Tennessee All-Star Classic and had a forced fumble, fumble recovery. Actually, in that state championship come from behind win this past year. I'll be interested to see what they do with Tim Stayskull, another tight end or listed as such, 6'11", 211 pounds. That's someone that is not going to be as meaty as the wide receiver we talked about earlier for Mississippi State. It's 6'4", and 200 and 27 pounds that's coming in as what I believe is, Jay, the only transfer in this class. Is that correct, the one we talked about earlier? Yeah, so far. And and the one thing about, again, I, I, I can't stress this enough, at the FCS level, sometimes there's a kid in the, the last couple weeks of the season that's a late get. There's also after spring practice when guys are on other rosters and realize, yeah, probably not going to play this next year after spring practice. So that's generally where FCS teams come in, not all the time. But at ETSU, it seems like some of the better transfers uh, aren't necessarily mid-year. They're late that March to May, and I wouldn't still discount not just ETSU, but other FCS schools still adding one or two guys to the pieces at the end of the spring practice. So Jamal Couch, the lone transfer, but he's 6'4", 227. This tight end, Tim Skayskull, is 6'4", 211 out of Nolansville, Tennessee, Nolansville High School. I'll just be interested to see how they use him because I think right now, you look at 6'4", 211, probably not going to be much in the way of blocking. He's more of a pass catcher and did have 25 catches, 412 yards, and five TDs in 2018 and in 2017, even more on the pass catching side with 45 catches, but played some defensive side of the ball too. So he's, 
I think, an X factor, or could be if he either adds a little bit of weight or adds a little bit of quickness. When you're 6'4", 211 at tight end, that tells me that you're probably, obviously not as powerful, but you probably lack the speed to go outside. So he is someone that will create mismatches, and that's exciting. Yeah, and I like the fact that he played on both sides of the ball. So, to me, it tells me he's tough, right? You want your tight end to be a little mean. Evan Wick certainly had a mean streak to him. So, I like that about the state school, and hopefully he'll be able to to show that because the Bucs need especially a run-blocking tight end as well. Sticking with a little bit local, six foot uh, 196 linebacker from Unicoi County High School up in Irwin. Brad Strother, two-sport athlete, letter in football and baseball, 3,000 yards, 34 touchdowns offensively, 188 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, and two interceptions. He was named uh, the 2017 Offensive Player of the Year. He was a Three Rivers All-Conference selection, three-time All-Region, and as mom and sister, also athletes as well. So uh, certainly a guy enlisted as a linebacker, six foot 196 definitely not afraid to make some contact with 188 tackles i'll keep things rolling here because we are way over time on segment number one here on sandals and the side a couple of wide receivers Devontae walker 6'2, 173 pretty slight but can cover a lot of ground with those strides 91 catches 1153 yards uh, his cousin jasmine sanders played basketball at troy so you know there's some athleticism in the family he also played basketball in high school then Isaiah Wilson, and this is the guy on the offensive side of the ball that you point to along with Jamal Couch that makes ETSU exciting outside. Six feet, 205. We were watching some of his highlights earlier. A very good blend of size and speed. And uh, that was a tough get because it seemed like Jacksonville State had him wrapped up, and uh, up until last night, Wilson decided he was going to make ETSU his home. And if you look at his game tape, uh, he could beat people uh, just running by him. But also he made some good, solid catches in traffic. So it's interesting to see uh, what dynamic he can bring. Again, a lot of wide receivers in this class. Certainly in high school was a big play guy, nearly 20 yards per catch. And the final one in the 28-man signing class, Rodney Wright Jr., defensive end out of Athens, Georgia, Clark Central High School. (laughs) Four sports, another wrestling guy, as well as track. You enjoy those two. 79 tackles, 11 for a loss, four sacks. Force fumble, fumble recovery, 11 hurries, first team all region his junior season, and was a track and field state champion as well as his team went on to that victory. So hey. another guy that I think off the edge can create some difficulty. There's not a better defensive sounding name than Rodney Wright Jr. And then there's that scouting by Jason. There you go. All right. <laughs> That's a look at Boom, our first step year away. 28 Boom. new players for head coach Randy Sanders. Don't forget the press conference, 4 o'clock again. We taped this at 2 o'clock. We've gone like 35 minutes. Like how this roster's looking. Instead of 12 minutes, we went like 35. All right, way overdue. When we come back, Lando's land after this. Sanderson sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning, and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed Bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! 
Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU Athletics. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda... You can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. The reason I don't like Landon is because I don't think this is going to go well for me today. Landon Owen join us. Lando's Land, Jay Santos, Mike Gallagher, and, of course, the before-mentioned Landon Owen. And we are going to recap the Super Bowl prop bets, which uh, I've not graded, but I don't believe I did well. Well, you got that one right. (laughs) Um, I don't know. how We'll find out how many you got right. You maybe didn't do as bad as you thought. Um, But one of the things we always do in our office one is we we always make it cheap. It's like two bucks. Of course, we didn't put any money on this one. It was just for fun. But uh, we always give the loser their money back. So that keeps the keeps the interest on both ends of the spectrum. Was that somehow a lead that I should have got my money back? <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't put any. We, we did not wait. Just trying to get us a violation. No, no. I'm just saying. Like, if we would have, like, you, I, I think in a nice way, you you told a story in which you tried to softly tell me I finished in last place. That's where I was getting. Uh, I, I don't want to spoil the surprise. Okay. All right. Here we go. Yeah. There's a violence. All right, so we started off over under was the national anthem was a minute forty seven. Uh, Mike and I actually got the same uh, time. I got two oh one. Yes, and we went from first note to last note, and that was so we had two oh one. So we're not going to get into the, any other controversies. It was just over. 
and we all three had it right. Exactly, and that's why I was confused when all the controversy came out about the, oh, the second Brave that she said. Firstly, I didn't hear a second Brave. Maybe I wasn't listening close enough, but there's a second Brave that changed the over-under from under to over. No, I, I think that's no. completely false. Not buying that. Not buying that. Second one, heads or tails? Uh, Jay, sorry, man. You, you just can't pick a coin toss. Yeah. Heads or tails? Sidekick and Landon uh, go up 2-1 over Sandoz. Uh, the Chick-fil-A in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Did your boy come a, through with the facts? Uh, he did. I oh. asked him uh, during kick, like right before the national anthem, I said, is Chick-fil-A open in the stadium? And he said, it is not. So it was not yes! on Sunday. Yes! So the no's take that one. That's a J. That's a Landon. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I was going to yes. say, he's oh. over here celebrating. I thought he said yes. What am I doing? So it's three two two. Us. That's great, but good for them for holding with their principles. I mean, that's 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 great to look millions of dollars in the eye and say, you know what, we are about what we are about, and I, I'm I'm impressed by that. What's uh, uh, and the running total now? Three so two two. Running total, we have three. Lana was perfect. Wow. Uh, and and Jay and I kick both with two. This yeah. Is three two right, two. It's already rigged. All right. Will this one was kind of a moot point? Will a player do the Dirty Bird <laughs> touchdown celebration dance? Well, there's only one touchdown. It's going to be tough for people to go too deep into the touchdown celebration arsenal. If there was going to be one that did it, it would have been him because he was a Georgia Bulldog. Uh, yeah, but, he, but, he, but he's also but, the most non-exciting touchdown mm. celebration guy, maybe since Barry Sanders handed the football off. Oh uh, well, that's disappointing. Either way, the game was a little disappointing, so this hey, one really hey, didn't hold hey, much. Uh, hey. Even if you hey. did have a team in the fight, uh, we hey. all said no, so we all got that one. So four three three. Uh, this one, uh, I, I can't believe Jay would have gone with the under on this one. But how many times the over under was two and a half? The number of times that the announcers say Gronk during the game, uh, I stopped counting after seven. Wow. Um, so it was way over. Oh. Uh, they said it twice on the same play. Twice. Uh, First, Romo said it, then uh, Nance followed him up. So it was a lot. Has anybody ever checked to see if one of the announcers uh, has, like, a proxy guy and they look at this stuff and just uh, tank tank the system? That's what I'm going with. I'm going with Tony Romo is tanking the system to pad his pockets. That should be null and void, and I win. Yeah, he could directly influence that one. So uh, I think that might be a conflict if he put one down. Maybe he had a handler. Um, this is fun. Right, I don't so remember anything I put on any of these. Yeah, this I don't either. Like no, no, this is unbelievable. No, <laughs> you okay. celebrated yeah, a loss. Yeah, I did. This I is might why celebrate we another. take notes. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, yeah. So, your standings after uh, we're halfway. But did I get that uh, one right Landon, or wrong? Yeah, Landon, per, you got that you one got right. You got it right. Uh, yes. uh, Jay got it wrong. Let's go. Uh, so, we're five for me, four for sidekick, three for Jay. Mm. Uh, Christina did not make an appearance during the halftime show. Jay, you got that one wrong again. I that thought as they right. were closing with that uh, moves like Jagger, I thought that maybe it could have happened, but yeah, they that, that quickly moved into another song. Yeah. So uh, that's my that, uh, my streak ended there. I had six in a row, um, and that ends there. Dilly Dilly, Jay, yes. you're the only one to get this. Yes. Let's the go. There was a Dilly Dilly? Commercial. There was. Oh, I must have missed yeah. it. Yeah. In the Game of Thrones one that Bud Light did, they had Dilly Dilly. Just so, part of uh, a horrendous, horrendous 70, 80, 90, or 100 commercials that there were. Yep. If you thought uh, they were not 80, uh, we'll get to that in a second there, uh, sidekick. Okay. Um, 
So we had one that said, who would have more commercials? What industry? Vehicles, snacks, or drinks? You guys have any guesses on what it was based on your uh, viewing pleasure? I think I said, did I say vehicles? I, 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 I think it's drinks because of just the Bud Light itself. Or did I say drinks? Dominated, I, right? did, I, did I say drinks, Landon? Or via, via you, guys bo- you guys both had drinks. I had vehicles, and th- it was drinks. Yeah. I, I think Bud Light by itself. But they, half the, fact, the day. they poured it on thick. Yeah, they yeah. poured it on thick. Yes, corn Sam syrup. Bush does uh, does put it in there. The corn uh, drinks, <laughs> drinks had eleven, uh, and vehicles and snacks combined had eleven, okay. and that was counting a couple of the local five second spots. That's so, only eleven. That's surprising to me. I thought there was a lot more than eleven. Yeah, it felt like more. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, uh, where the we color at? liquid dumped on the head coach. Uh, had to go back and find it. Uh, they they didn't miss the original, but it was blue. It was. And side oh! It was blue. blue. Oh! That was the only huge. one I remembered. Out of all these, that the only huge. thing I remembered was I said orange. That, that is was the only thing I remembered. That's awesome. Julian, yep. And Julian Edelman, the game MVP, didn't thank anyone, but thankfully it wasn't worded that way. It was who were they going to mention first. And he mentioned these guys down here, his teammates. Mm. And how, how, do you know, how, do you, how do you know? How do you know that was his teammates, Landon? Are you in? Uh, he was head? pointing, and these guys, and he was, was pointing. Was, I mean, his wife and kid are right there. I just want to throw that. It out was there. a legit Vegas bet, and uh, that was one of that was the answer in Vegas. Mm. Uh, so teammates is yeah. the answer. So I got that one right. You guys said both of the family. Yeah. So our final tallies are Jay bringing up the rear with five. I told you I was last. Ouch. And sidekick and Landon tied at seven. Tie break. Tie break. Now, now, if you remember, the tie break was the number of commercials from kickoff to the end of the game. Now, I had to go back. I did tape it. Um, you did I, not I, I love this No way. You I love not. this commitment here. So I had to go back and look. Now, if you Google it, my uh, sidekick, you had 86 as your tiebreaker. Right. Uh, I had 76. Right. Whether you meant to or not, the Google said that the exact number of commercials in the 2018 game were 86. So using that oh, as the benchmark, I didn't know that. I went back and watched the pre-show and the post-game, and there were at least five on each. So we're going to drop it down below the 81 threshold, and we're going to award myself the championship for this. So I wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. What kind of black magic is this? What is going on? Yeah, listen, you should be on a bold prediction Friday. that I've ever heard. Hold on. This you is said, the this price is... you pay when you get in when you play games with me and you don't take notes. Firstly, you so. said the 2018 broadcast. This is a 2019 broadcast. So are we even talking about the same game? We'll give it. Uh, we'll, you, you can come over to the house later if you want. We'll uh, we'll watch it again. In, in fairness, I have taped the game, so if you'd like to watch it with me, sidekick, you're more than welcome. Ooh. to. Wait, no. So did you count or not? Just be honest. No, I didn't. Count. So you didn't count. So this is all fraudulent. This is unbelievable. Now it's I, not I, fraudulent. I think, but I, you can go over. We can go over to Jay's house tonight. And yes, we'll do it tonight. Totally agree. Totally agree. I'll probably have like. Well, never mind. Uh, I think that the tiebreak should be the fact that I predicted the score margin correct. Ten points. 3424. Uh, well, we well, good for you. You can you can be a champion in your own mind since we weren't playing for anything. So if that helps you sleep tonight, it does help do me that. sleep that yeah, we weren't you, playing for anything. Because yeah, I would fight this harder if we were playing for something because that was the worst explanation of a tiebreak and why you won in the history of the world. Yeah, that's okay. Garbage. Well, well, I think that's our time. And then it is. All right, Landon. Next week, <laughs> you're we'll, not welcome. We'll dive back. into uh, college basketball. Congratulations on your win, Mike. You're lost. All right, we'll step aside for a timeout, uh, Landon Owen. Next week, we'll talk college hoops. A very special guest, right? Softball coach uh, Brad Irwin stopping by. Correct. All right, we'll talk to Brad Irwin about softball season coming up right after this timeout from San Jose Sidekick. This is 
The Buccaneer Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecues, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and F, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com. Member FDIC. Look, if you're like me, you got a lot to remember. Like, remember to pick up some refreshingly cold lemon-lime Mountain Dew ice. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, here's my trick. If it's a nice day, I think nice rhymes with ice. And that reminds me, I better get some Mountain Dew ice. Or if someone asks me for the time, I think time rhymes with lime, like in lemon-lime. If I work at it, anything can remind me to get to the store and get myself some Mountain Dew ice. Mountain Dew ice. Remember to get some. Welcome back to Smooth 92.2. I'm Dr. Love, and I want to hear the secret to your romantic success. We've got Brian on the line. Bry guy, what'd you do? Well, I wanted to spice things up, so I surprised my wife with instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Oh, and did those work, Brian? You know they did, Dr. Love. It doesn't take a relationship expert to know you can't go wrong with February instant games. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Sandos the sidekick, Mike Gallagher, Jay Sandos steps aside, Brad Irwin fills in his seat for the time being, Coach Irwin now in season number nine, is that correct, Coach? Yes. So that leaves you as the third most tenured coach on staff. I, I hope I'm not dating you, making you feel old, making you feel like it's been a long time since you've been here. I'm guessing the time's flown by, and boy, especially lately with all the success that you've had, which we'll talk about um, over these next 10 or 15 minutes on Sandos and the sidekick, but do a little reflecting, if you can, about nearly a decade at ETSU. Yeah, you know, it's been great. I agree with you. It seems like it was just uh, yesterday that we kind of got this thing started. But, uh, it, you know, it's, it's great. It's a great place to be. Really excited um, to open up another year. And going into year nine just doesn't seem real. 
Talk about now year nine after a 2018 where maybe it wasn't the regular season the 2017 was, but at the end of the day, what's important, right, when that Southern Conference tournament comes around and again, uh, your young women had success once they were there. Um, of course, in 2016, made the NCAA tournament get very, very close last year. Compare those two years if you can and just what that 2018 year meant to you once the postseason came around. Yeah, you know, obviously 2017 was a special year. Um, to uh, win the championship and to have the success in the regular season that we did. And, you know, we had high uh, expectations coming into uh, 2018 after that and uh, felt like we were uh, as talented or even more talented than we were the year before. We hit a stretch where we lost uh, a lot of uh, really close uh, one-run, two-run ball games, uh, didn't didn't perform offensively during that stretch that uh, the way we would like to. But and we didn't handle that stretch very well. We, start, we, we got on that skid. And we just couldn't quite get ourselves pulled up out of it and kind of let it go to our to our head and begin to press and just not uh, play the way we were capable. And, and we knew that. Uh, the girls knew that. Uh, we all knew that. So we knew once we got the conference tournament that year that, you know, it was the, the, the whole fresh start. Uh, we really took that to heart last year. And I felt like we played in the conference tournament, uh, you know, like, like we were capable of and uh, making the championship game and, uh, you know, giving ourselves a – giving ourselves a shot so hopefully we learn from last year that you know it it's a long it's a long season it's a grind and you know not to drop too many cliches here but you know we it is a marathon not a sprint we uh, schedule I think 52 games this year um, so you know we uh, it, it, it's a long grind and once you get the conference you're playing three game series all the secrets are out at that point they know you you know them and uh, you know we we had a lot of opportunities in those games last year and just couldn't quite get the hit when we needed to and then it kind of became you know an epidemic and we began to press and began to just kind of make that our identity I think for a short period of time so but you know closing it out uh, making the, a good run in the conference tournament certainly uh, you know gave us a little momentum coming into uh, this offseason. That stretch that you talked about you lost 2-1 to one to Sanford then against Mercer 2-0, 3-0, 4-1 Furman 3-2, Furman got a little out in front and didn't look back in the middle game, 11 to two, but then three to one in eight innings, then a one nothing loss, two nothing loss to UNCG. I mean, truly, you look at those games and even moving on forward from there, Chattanooga six to two and Chattanooga two to nothing. Like you said, you were right there, and that whole philosophy of clean slate. Once you get to the conference postseason, you beat Furman, then in nine innings you beat uh, Mercer, the number two seed. Go down to UNCG, who eventually you lost to in the championship game after battling your way back through the loser's bracket to defeat Furman again, ending their season, and then going on to the championship game. This whole idea of clean slate, fresh start. I, if I were a head coach, I would be coming to you and asking, Coach, we all say this to our teams. We say this to our players, but so often it does not work, and they either get in their own heads about, boy, I don't know if I truly believe that this is the case. It just seems like a couple games ago we were losing by, you know, one run, two runs, couldn't get the big hit. Did you find any secret, anything out of the ordinary that maybe you hadn't come across before that did work when trying to semi-convince your women that, look, this truly is a chance for us to forget these last, you know, couple of weeks, but even the two or three months of the regular season to just focus on these games? You know, there, there is no real secret, but uh, I'll tell you what we found. We, we caught a break, you know, and we, we had one of those uh, hits go through, and then it's kind of like the uh, the dam breaking. And, uh, you know, we, we kept kind of focusing on that. You know, it'll, it'll come, keep working, no, no pressure, get in the box with a plan, with an approach, execute your approach, 
and you know one of these is going to get through and then we'll, then we'll we'll be good to go so you know there's no secret but i think the the solace was that the girls knew you know the the talent we had they knew we were better than we were playing and uh, you know just knew that if they if they kept coming to practice kept coming to the games kept competing that uh, you know we'd get it straightened out and uh, so you know there's there's no magic magic pill no magic wand um but you know you you get a good thing happen for you and then you kind of roll with it that that ten, tends to be the way uh, our sport works of contributors from last year uh, those that were out there for you know let's say about half the season or more or contributed a significant amount kelsey chernak emma martindale kelsey smith Madison Ogle are gone. There's a few others here and there that uh, were on the roster but didn't contribute a ton on the field. Give us an idea of what holes that those four, specifically Chernak, Martindale, Smith, and Ogle leave. I think many people will recognize those names, and specifically from the last couple of years, Madison Ogle, who was a real workhorse on the mound. Yeah, you know, obviously she is a huge loss. You know, she, she was our number one pitcher. You know, we were giving her the ball first game of a doubleheader and coming back in the third game of a conference series with her. Um, she was closing out games when uh, when needed. So she, you know, she obviously is a big loss. She was uh, uh, an absolute, you know, stud for us the last two years, closing out two years ago and then all the way through last year. And, you know, to, to her credit last year when the offense kind of struggled and she was still throwing well, she kept, kept pounding, kept pounding, kept pounding, and then got to the conference tournament. And uh, was able to, you know, get a little bit of run support, and uh, was able to come out on the on the right side of that. So, you know, she's a big loss. Um, she really is. And you know, Kelsey Smith was a big RPI producer for us um, throughout her career. You know, maybe struggled a little bit last year. Didn't have the same type of numbers that she uh, was was typical of her, but still, uh, you know, drove in some runs for us. Uh, Kelsey Chernak was as steady as they come defensively. Um, you know, you can count on. Uh, it takes two hands to count the amount of uh, tremendous plays she made in last year's conference tournament and the year before. Uh, and Emma Martindale had a good year offensively last year. Um, didn't didn't play every game, but uh, when she did, she uh, she produced and uh, you know had a little bit of pop, a little bit of power numbers there that uh, that really came through for us. Um, so you know they're they're all big losses. Anytime you, you lose kids that have been in your program for four or five years, in some instances, you know it's a, they they know what the expectations are. They know what we do. Um, we, we They know what we're expecting every day. They know they, they pass that on to the young kids. So that class was, was tough to lose. Um, you know, in the fact that in their junior year was the most successful season in the program history, and they were all a huge part of that, um, regardless of the amount of time they uh, they might have got in the lineup. But uh, so, you know, big, big losses. We feel good about what we have um, coming in. Um, to, uh, to, to fill those roles, but, uh, you know, we're certainly going to miss those kids. 19-27 and 27 last year, 4-11 in the conference, but second straight Southern Conference championship game. So going for number three this year, and Kevin Brown, who does SID stuff for pretty much every sport uh, on the, under this campus's roof, it seems like, has some incredible stats about that, that your program is really uh, breaking barriers, setting a new standard for uh, programs that, you know, are gone, go, have gone to back-to-back championship games and if you can do a third it would uh, even add to that mystique more let's talk about what is back the top seven hitters from your team last year so it's going to be loaded taylor wright lauren lee kelly warren vanessa elliott julia fritz nikki grupp and tiffany lauren of course the number two starter was kelly schmidt last year and she'll be back also even though madison ogle is gone i'm imagining some more will be on her shoulders but 
goodness, to have that much back in a lineup. And then we'll talk about Mallory Sure here in a second, too, because she's someone that played women's basketball here for four years and was splitting time kind of between uh, basketball and your program as well. And now you have a chance with her as uh, a graduate student to be able to get a full offseason with her. But again, uh, more on her in a moment. The seven that were out there after she redshirted last year, it didn't seem like the offense missed a whole lot of beats without sure there. And to have those top seven back, truly unique it seems like. It's not every year you have that. Yeah, it, it, it is pretty rare to have, have that many of the uh, offensive contributors back. And we look for them to, to uh, kind of take that, the next step forward and keep leading us in, in, uh, in on, on offense. Um, but we're, we're really excited about them. Nikki Grupp. Um, had uh, you know okay numbers last year, but she's had a tremendous fall and a tremendous uh, beginning to our spring practice. Um, Vanessa Elliott, Taylor Wright, both last year were I believe second team All Conference, and in the, in, uh, they uh, were, were big leaders for us in the middle of the lineup and uh, provided us some uh, some of the pop that we needed and some RBI produ- production in the middle of the lineup. Uh, Kylie Toller's back uh, behind the plate. Uh, struggled offensively from a number standpoint last year but came alive in the conference tournament and was all tournament team and she also has had a tremendous fall and in our scrimmages leading up to uh to our first competition here in a couple of weeks she's been uh swinging a, a really good bat so we're excited about what uh, what she can do uh tiffany lauren you know last year's numbers weren't what her sophomore year numbers were but uh, she's uh, also uh, come out strong this year and we look for her to get um, back closer to what she was as a sophomore. She had an outstanding sophomore year. Really had uh, you know comparable numbers to Danielle Knutza, who was our uh, SoCon Player of the Year that year. And Tiffany was right there with her. Um, they, you could have given either one of them the Player of the Year award. So um, she'll, she, we look for her to be a big part of uh, what what we do this year as well. Um, we know what she can do, and she's a big bat in the in the middle of the lineup. Um, you know, a couple of those kids you mentioned there were freshmen last year, so they. They've kind of got that that season under their uh, under their wing, and they know what to expect. They know the grind. They know what all the travels like. They know what all the scouting reports are. You know, they have sometimes you come in as a freshman, you have some success early, and then the scouting reports catch up to you, right. and everybody knows uh, you know kind of how to attack your weaknesses. So they, uh, we look for them uh, to uh, to really take even another step forward in Julia, Lauren, and Kelly. The thing about the offense, too, to me, when you look, you know, Lauren Lee missed a little bit of time. Uh, Kelly Warren missed a little bit of time. Julia Fritz missed a pretty significant amount of time. Uh, and so you also had some players that you mentioned that their numbers were a bit down from the year before, and you still made the championship game. So it's not like everyone was outperforming their numbers or ability, and people were having crazy years. It was actually, at some points, the opposite, and the offense still was able to, of course, along with uh, what Madison Ogle was able to do on the mound and some of the other pitchers as well, get to that championship game. If you can just have some of those offensive players rebound a bit and have some health go your way as well, it seems like this group could be a major force to be reckoned with. They really could, and it's it's such a different uh, makeup of offense as it was two years ago when we made our uh, championship run. You know, we have a little less power now, but we have a lot, lot more speed. Right. So, uh, you know, just kind of trying to figure out how all those pieces fit together and uh, everybody learning you know, where they uh, slide into their role and where they slide into the uh, offense as a whole. Um, but we, we look for uh, a major bounce back offensively this year. Uh, if not, it'll be it'll be uh, disappointing. Can that be tough, too? And I just think about, you know, the different identities that you did have the last two years offensively. Was that maybe just part of an adjustment period last year where 
I would think, at least as a player, and I've been on plenty of diamonds in my life, like, wow, you know, we hit all those home runs last year. That would be fun. And you start trying to swing out of your shoes, and everything has to be a bomb or you're not doing your job. But like you said, that team last year maybe just wasn't made up the way that the one before was. So could that have been a bit of an adjustment period, at least psychologically, for the guys? You know, it absolutely was. Um, two years ago, we stole, I believe, six bases on the year. Right. Last year, I think we had... Um, six in the first weekend or in the first two weeks. 43 overall. Yep. Yeah, 43 overall. So that's a big jump. And, you know, we, we, we didn't um, – we, we have we have some pop last year, and we, and we do this year as well, some power in the middle of the lineup. But a couple of, a couple of those didn't quite match the power numbers they had before. So it, it was a transition, and, you know, we used to get, get them on and wait for somebody to hit a two-run home run. Um, or, you know, and last year it was getting more to get them on, get them over – you know, having to string string together some hits and uh, try to hit the ball gap to gap. Um, so it, it was a transition. You know, I don't want to use that um, as an excuse. You know, we had uh, all of our pre-conference to, to get adjusted to that. Um, so, you know, it's not an excuse, but certainly there was there was an adjustment period. So I think everyone's going to look at your team and say, boy, we better watch out for that offense. I think a lot of pundits would say, well, pitching. What are they going to do on the mound in the circle now with Madison Ogilvie and Kelly Schmidt back? Give us an idea of how you're planning to uh, group the rotation, uh, what it may look like. I'm sure you will have kind of a semi-tryout in the first couple weekends just to make sure that what you think is with those arms is actually what it needs to be. Uh, so what will it look like in the circle? Uh, Kelly uh, Schmidt goes into the spring as our number one and feel really good about that. She had uh, really uh, a lot of success during the conference portion of the season last year. Got uh, you know gave up a few uh, big numbers there in the championship game to Greensboro, but uh, you know Greensboro had a potent offense. But in the regular season against the conference team, she she was uh, really um, uh, giving her, giving us a chance to win. And you know it's a little bit different. Um, she's a different, completely different pitcher than. Then Madison Ogle, you know, Madison was going to go out and Maddie was going to go out and, you know, strike out a lot of kids and, uh, you know, just kind of um, go push it on them. But, uh, you know, Kelly's a little different, you know, but I, I feel like we have a uh, really good defense, as good of a defense as we've had in my time here. And it really meshes well with our pitching staff. Um, they all have good control, good command, um, and they kind of pitch to contact. And uh, there'll be a lot, a lot of balls in play. Not that they're not going to strike kids out. You know, they're they're all three accomplished pitchers. But they're, uh, you know, we're just saying go out there and get us, you know, five solid innings um, every start. That, that's our goal is five solid innings. Anything over that is uh, is icing on the cake. You know, get the ball in play. Let let us make the play on it. Let us come back and provide you some uh, run support. So Kelly will start the year as our as our number one, and I look for her to. To continue uh, through that, uh, based on her production last year in the conference games, and then we also have uh, a uh, transfer in Mackenzie Dyson and a freshman in Taylor Bowling, and uh, I feel like as a staff we're in a really good place. Uh, I, they they complement each other well. We're not asking anybody to go throw seven every day, you know, which was kind of the approach we had with uh, with Maddie Ogle was go, you know, she's going to go seven. Um, with these, it's, you know, go out there, like I said, get, get us five innings. We'll bring one of the others that complement you well, bring them in to close your game out. You know, now we're going to build towards, you know, um, going seven innings when we can, but that's not uh, what we're looking for. We're looking for the whole staff. Um, Marissa Honeycutt missed uh, the fall with an injury. She's, she's our fourth pitcher. We have a couple of others that can pitch in uh, emergency situations, and Julia Fritz and Tiffany Lauren. But those three, Kelly Schmidt, Mackenzie Dyson, and Taylor Bowling, 
will uh, will be the uh, staff that pitches the majority. You mentioned the conference numbers for Kelly Schmidt. We should say that she really rivaled Madison Ogle as a possible number one for you with the ERAs being almost exactly similar, just maybe didn't get uh, the benefit as did Madison of some of that run support where you look at the record and it's not, I think, indicative of how Kelly Schmidt threw during the conference year. So to have her as the number one, then you mentioned Dyson and Bowling. Who else is new in blue and gold? Eight total newcomers. Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, we, we, it's, it's a big number of, uh, of newcomers. We have uh, Jordan Durbin, who will play uh, second base, can play some third base as well, is a freshman out of uh, the Richmond, Virginia area. Cass Dunn is another uh, middle infielder. She's uh, out of the Knoxville area, out of Maryville. Um, both of them really solid defensive players, um, can, uh, you know, can hit for average. Um, and then we also have uh, we have Kensington Daly, who's a local kid who plays in the middle infield. We have Allie Chernak who is the younger uh, sister of Kelsey, Kelsey Turnack who we mentioned before. Um, Allie's been working at third. She could move over to uh, second um, as needed. We have uh, Taylor Robinson's a catcher out of uh, uh, Georgia, just south of Atlanta. Really strong defensive catcher. Uh, provides a little bit of pop with the bat. Um, really pr- uh, impressed with how she's uh, progressing this fall. We... Um, how many do we cover there? I think that was uh, Andrea Surratt. Did we oh, yeah, that? Andrea Sarhat's a, a speedy outfielder, a slapper um, that uh, is out of the Knoxville area as well. Um, and uh, Andrea's got a bright future ahead here at ETSU. You know, her playing time, we'll just have to see how it falls out this year because we have a tremendous, uh, tremendously d- deep outfield. Uh, Carolina Davis is uh, in that as well. A, uh, she's an outfielder, and we've worked her some at first base as well to give us some depth at first, but she plays a little bit of both out of uh, McMinn County, Tennessee. I think that covers them, right? Dunn, Dyson, Durbin, uh, Daly, Davis, uh, and then you go up to Chernak, Bowling, and Sarhat. Got it. Right. Beautiful. Well done. Hey, you know, I, I'm sure you're getting used to it still as well as you're going through practices and everything. So talk about Mallory Sure now. Having a full off season with her, being able to, I think, do some coaching, right, with Mallory Sure, as opposed to having to wait till mid-March, late March sometimes, uh, early, you know, sometimes early April, I'm sure, to see her start to fire at 100%. But everyone knows her as a scrapper, hustle player, someone that leaves her all on the field. What I would think would happen this year is we're going to see some of the skill that Mallory Sure does carry in and have a real chance to see her put up some big offensive numbers to add to what we've already seen defensively. Yeah, you know, she uh, it's, it's been great having her for a full year. She would come out soon as basketball was over her first three years you know having not swung a bat in you know eight or nine months and uh you know we try to get her a little bp in for the first day or two and then let her see a live at bat and then uh get her a live, live pitching against our own hit pitchers and then get her in uh the pinch hit in the game and then, she, then we'd roll her right in there and it's really you know a testament to the type of athlete she is that she was able to step right off the court and onto the field and, and hold her own. So it's been it's been great having her this year. You know, she uh, is taking on some leadership role with our with our program. You know, she's got a great uh, personality and great leadership ability. And you know, defensively, she makes us so strong in the outfield. She's uh, such a tremendous uh, outfielder. And offensively, we look forward to, to take what she's done in the past and really uh, take a step on, up in that. And having been able to focus on uh, softball for such a long period. 
Last one for you, the non-conference schedule, I think we kind of know, and it's so far off, where maybe we, in fact, don't know. We'll see what teams are after the non-conference. We can talk about when we have you on Tennis and the Psychic again, uh, the conference schedule. But the non-conference schedule, I think what everyone will look at will be the Tennessee game, right, on February 19th. That's very early in the year, which is only, geez, like two or so weeks away from when we're sitting right now. Uh, but Morgan State, Akron, Presbyterian on opening weekend. Then you've got the Charleston Southern Tournament, uh, Detroit Charleston Southern, and then after the Tennessee game, uh, the GW USUP All Tournament, St. Francis Gardner Webb, who's the host, and then Bowling Green. Just give us an idea. You've got so many away games, so much travel early on in the season. I've always found it incredible that teams are able to, you know, make it through the type of stretches that your team's going to have early in the non-conference year and come out ready for conference play. It seems like it would be exhausting. It's a grind, as you said, but give us a snapshot of the non-conference if you can, and just what fans can expect outside of that Tennessee game. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's typical for our sport to uh, play the tournaments leading up to, uh, to, to your conference season. So you're playing four or five games a weekend, um, and then we do have a couple of midweek games mixed in there as well. So it certainly is. You know, we'll know a lot more. We always say after four weeks we know, we know who we are. You know, you know a lot about yourself because um, it, it is a grind. And, um, you know, I like, I like the schedule. I like the matchups we have. We play a, a wide variety of uh, – of teams and styles, and so we'll we'll know who uh, who's ready to get it done in crunch time, and, and maybe who's not. So it, it, it's a great schedule, lays out great for us. It's a lot of games up front, but that's typical of our sport. And uh, you know, it is by design. We we come out of that, and then we taper off um, heading into conference, and uh, you, you know what you're made of. Don't forget also, aside from the Tennessee game, the Buccaneer Classic fans. So that'll be at Betty Baylor Field, March eighth to the 11th. Thanks, Coach. Good luck this year. Thanks. We'll talk to Brad Irwin later on, uh, closer to conference season here on Sandos and the Sidekick. That's a preview of ETSU softball. More on the Buccaneer Sports Network when we're back. Ballot Health is an integrated healthcare system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official healthcare provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has three new hamburgers on the new made-to-crave menu. The barbecue cheeseburger, the sauce and bacon cheeseburger, and the peppercorn mushroom melt. They've got so much swagger, they'll change the way you think about hamburgers and the way you ride through our drive-thru. Maybe you'll lean your seat back a little. Maybe a lot. Maybe you'll roll your windows down. Or maybe your window's broken because you punched through it to get your hamburger faster. Try the three new hamburgers on Wendy's new made-to-crave menu and download the Wendy's app for craveable deals today. At Wendy's, we got you. At participating Wendy's. Mulliken Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulliken's prefinished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, 
House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring. General Shale is proud to support ETSU basketball and Southern Conference fans everywhere. Want to make the most of game day? Now you can design your dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you design custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from up to 10 building types designed with over 50 of our most popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with your friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Trey Adams and the what? We're not, we don't have any more names for it. No more names. No we more have names. a f- okay. You came up with like six names, and now you're out of names. Yeah, we're just not doing it anymore. Not doing it. Okay, yeah. all right. So no more names. So what is 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 there a topic? It's uh, we're we're going to the grocery store and buying or selling. Grocery store buying or selling this segment in general because I'm yes, going to sell yes. hard pass. Okay, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. What do we got? All right. Uh, Topic number one, are you buying or selling the Alliance of American Football? Will it be successful? Ooh. Now, Mike, what, let's let's go over what what do you what do you think is successful? Let's, let's start there. What do you think is successful? Well, firstly, it's not going to be successful unless I'm able to book someone on the show to preview the weekend, which so far has new, not done. It's been no, done. a possibility. They have. Uh, I've gotten rebuffed like four times. They have played with it's your emotions. Incredible. You've had enough. No one knows about this thing yet. Like, you need the publicity. You need the popularity. You need people to know. You come to stand us in the sidekick. That's yeah. what you do. Yeah. And no, they're, I, they're saying no to that. Failure. I understand. Failure. Yeah, I mean, I really, want to give, I really want to give it the hard no, it will not succeed. What is success? I mean, I think that they have games on NFL Network at the end of February and early March is already a big success. Um, the fact that they got a TV deal at all is a success. I think if they start producing players that go to the NFL out of their league, because they're supposed to be like a feeder league, a minor league for the NFL, that's what they've said they want to be. So if they produce, let's say out of this first season, 15 people, on NFL rosters next year. That would be two per team about because there's eight teams. I think that would be consistent. I mean, the XFL actually did that, uh, not on purpose, but it actually did that in the one year of his existence. It did pass people on to play, to play at the NFL. No, it was a few. I mean, again, eight teams. If you had a couple guys off each team, that's still. But they had running backs, quarterback, and people of name, yeah. uh, kickers and stuff that did Tommy go Maddox, on to play. Tommy Maddox, right? Not yeah. smart. The machine gun, if you will. Tommy okay. the machine gun Maddox. Oh, is that short change of He hate okay. me. Keith Smart made it as well. For it's Rod bit. Smart, but okay. So, yeah, Keith, Morad, whatever. Keith is not the name. Keith was an awesome Rod basketball Smart. player for uh, Keith Indiana. Smart was. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I remember, remember that. that. I yeah, do. Yeah, the season yeah. on a brink. Yeah, okay. Uh, one last uh, thought on that is 
because uh, I thought yeah, success that's on TV. I mean, Arena Football one time had a pretty good deal going yeah, too. Yeah, ESPN and, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, it didn't really oh, make before it. Before that, it was NBC. That was on network yeah, television. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. when I watched it in like the late 90s, early 2000s, and it was going strong, but clearly couldn't hang on. Yep. I'm going to sell. All right. So topic number two, uh, since we're in East Tennessee in the spirit of controversy, are you buying or selling sweet tea? I think I know the answer that Mike is about to say. I don't know if I – I've already given enough unpopular opinions about this area on this show. I don't know if I should be allowed to answer this question. It's your show. You tell me. I uh, I, I am an unsweet tea guy. Okay. Um, that makes and, me feel a little I, better. And I might add a little bit of sweetener for the most part, but I drink coffee black, and so so I'm not a big sweetener. T- I like diet drinks. I, I'm just the weird guy. I don't like sugary type stuff a lot. So, uh, popular belief: I'm not diabetic. I've been asked that several times. <laughs> no, no, not it. Because uh, the aggressive my, question. To ask yeah, the it person. is. It is. People uh, look at me and they're, "What's wrong with you? You diabetic? No, no, no. Runs in the family. I'm not real worried about it right now, but no." Uh, so I'm an unsweet tea person. I don't I, know if that helps. Or I don't know if that actually answered your buy or sell. I but, just don't uh, like tea. I'm just not a tea person in general. Now, I'll do the hot tea once in a while if the throat is, you know, feeling a little bit uh, dry. You know, you, in the minor league year, you got to call a game every day for, sure. you know, 70 consecutive days or whatever it is. And so day after day, that kind of wears on you. So I'll do some hot tea here and there. But uh, in terms of the tea craze of East Tennessee and this region, I have not gotten into it. Maybe I'm missing the boat. But sweet or unsweet, I am leaving it or taking it. I don't know. I just don't want it. All right. How about uh, topic number three? Uh, Jose Canseco, is he actually crazy, or is he just playing a crazy guy on Twitter? So have you seen these tweets, Jay? No. Oh, he's so he good. He says that you should all, and just saying you, the universal you, Twitter, whatever, come play golf with me and talk about aliens and time travel was my favorite one. And then he said that he traveled into the future, and he saw that the Rams would win 28-24, which clearly he did not. Uh, also, I would like to compete in the Masters Long Drive competition. Please contact Morgan. Doesn't say Morgan who. Someone replies with a meme of Morgan Freeman uh, changing colors. It's very psychedelic and trippy. Um, Jose Canseco's out there. Ho- Jose Canseco really, I think we'll all agree with this. Jose Canseco really loves Jose Canseco. I think he really loves aliens and time travel. I, at this point. I think he really loves him and likes to be relevant. But one of my favorite Jose Canseco stories was actually when he was blowing the whistle on steroids <laughs> and he talked about how he got yes. there with uh, uh, one of the Boone brothers uh, at second base and he says he grabbed his arm and was like hey you bulked up you doing some stuff and he said he looked at me Aaron Boone or whoever it was and looked at me and went shh and then ESPN did a stats fact to look it up and Jose Canseco never hit a double in spring training and never would have been <laughs> in second base with him so uh, Jose Canseco really loves Jose Canseco so I'm saying it's a show Jose He's Dennis Rodman. He, that's a actually pretty good comparison, I think. He is the roided out, maybe even more ridiculous-looking version of Dennis Rodman, if that's possible. That might be a hot take. But Jose Canseco has certainly seen the ups and the downs of celebrity. And right now, he's in kind of a weird nether world that, I'm not going to lie, I'd kind of like to visit and see what it's all about. And finally, are you buying or selling the early signing day? In the spirit of National Signing Day, are you buying or selling the early signing day having an effect on the actual National Signing Day for FCS, not FBS, but just FCS. I I think it's still too early to tell, but my initial reaction is that I think it helps FCS uh, 
because it just helps them identify people that are still available. Instead of waiting and getting strung along, there are a thousand kids that have already signed by now. And so you're able to kind of identify who's there and there. Plus, if there were guys holding on hope that these FBS teams were really kind of, they were their sixth and seventh choice and they weren't honest with them, and they filled up all their slots, now they know they're a free agent they got to find somewhere to play. So I, I, right now I'm going to say I'm buying that it's good for FCS. I wonder what the advantage is for the kid to sign early. That's where I'm a little confused on why it's in place. Like for that end of things, does it make a lot of sense for, unless you're, you think that you're being overvalued and you're like, wow, these schools are on me. I better lock them down before they go somewhere else and realize that I am not what they thought I was. I, just, I guess I don't understand well, that and, side of And it. there's also uh, some of it was kind of ridiculous anyways because there were so many people, especially in football, that would graduate in December and already be on campus, but they couldn't sign. Hmm. They couldn't get their scholarships until they did a national letter of intent a month later, which is kind of ridiculous. So if they're already going to enroll early – why, why would you stop that? I so, do like your thought on it helping FCS teams simply to know where to put your energy, where to know oh, your field. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So, there we go. As always, Mike says I win. So, that's what I like. Is that what you said? Yeah. No. Yes. Okay. Yes, it's a game. Wait, what? 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 what are we doing? What's the difference between four quarters in this segment? I'm kind of confused right now. Well, we, we bought we bought our same thing. Well, I'll make him do five next time. That makes sense. Okay, there we go. Or three. Over time. There we go. Or maybe he has to do one about me and you every week. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll do that. Uh, we've got a lot of flaws. We're going to talk about Trey's dating life, which is always entertaining. All right, tomorrow, what do we got? No, no. <laughs> Jim Noble, right? He's on tomorrow talking ETSU Wofford. We'll preview ETSU Wofford. And then, I guess, four quarters, which is a little different than what we did today somehow. Yeah? Allegedly. Allegedly. All right. Better do it. Sandus and the sidekick. Good show. Back tomorrow more on the Buccaneer. Sports Network. <laughs>